Amen. Good morning. May be seated. Well, it is good to be back with you once again. And uh, if you noticed, if you've been around Gospel Hope very long, things are a little bit out of order this morning. That's on purpose. We didn't just mess up. It's okay. It's, everything's good. Last week, there we go. Last week, we rounded out our series on Elijah from the book of First and Second Kings. And next week, we're going to be delving into a brand new series we're calling Generous from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. But this week, we're going to take a little pause in the action and have a sermon that is based on the Lord's Prayer. The title of the message this morning is simply Pray Like This. So this service is going to look a little bit different than you're accustomed to because we're going to spend some extended time seeking the Lord's face together. If you've been around Gospel Hope for the last several months, you know that we have really been working hard at building a culture of prayer. One of the ways that we've done that is in our Sunday morning services, we kind of stop and pause and pray. Uh, we also have a prayer night that we have on a regular basis. But today I want to give you a little bit of the rationale behind that based on Luke chapter 11. And I hope this will be helpful for you as we dive in. So as I said, title of the message is simply this, pray like this. Robert, would you mind grabbing that little table there for me? Thank you, sir. Let's pray. Father, we do need you. We pause and we thank you for your goodness and your grace. I pray that you would help us in the next few moments to dive into your word, to be encouraged, and to lean in to prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And before we begin, I do want to make sure that, do we have any guests here at Gospel Hope? This is your first time or first time in a long time that are visiting with us this morning. Could you just put your hand up real quick? We want to welcome you. Okay, hey, you don't, it's not like, hey, we're not going to like single you out. Thanks so much for coming. Glad you guys are here. Please stop by in the Connect Center in the back. We have a gift for you. We would love to give to you and know how we can serve you a little bit better. Let me warn you. Before we dive into the message this morning, that this is going to require a little bit of work. I think sometimes we need to change the paradigm of how we think about church. Oftentimes, we think about coming to church like going to a nice restaurant. Like we just kind of show up and sit down and wait for the chef to do all the work. Sometimes we can think about that way in church, like, hope pastor prepared a good message this week. We sit down, we get our napkin out, and we're ready. Okay, bring it. I'm here. I'm ready to eat. But I think the biblical vision of church is much more like a potluck dinner. What do you mean by that? Well, everybody got to pitch in. And let's be honest, some of y'all aren't very good cooks. <laughs> but no matter what your role is, we all got something to bring to the table. We all participate in the meal. And so I want to encourage you this morning as we open God's word that you need to participate in what's going on. This is not a passive affair. This is something I need everybody to work at and lean in. And I will guarantee if you will work hard, you will benefit from it this morning. There's going to be some moments where you're uncomfortable or you say, I don't want to do that or that feels weird. Suck it up, buttercup. Um, and let's really seek the Lord together in prayer. I know that was very pastoral, wasn't it? That's great. How many of you in here, true confessions, cannot drive a stick shift car? Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. You cannot drive a stick shift car. Okay, that's a lot of you. Um, if you cannot drive a stick shift car 
and you sat down in the passenger seat next to somebody who can drive a stick shift car. Maya, you can drive a stick shift, can't you? No? Okay. I thought somebody got their first car and was a stick shift driver. I can't remember who it was. I thought it was Maya. Okay, never mind. I was going to embarrass everybody, but it's okay. Be embarrassed yourself, Maya. You can't drive a stick shift, right? Um, You sat down in there and you watched the person going down the road. It really doesn't look like they're doing a lot. Like it kind of looks effortless in one sense. You know, their hands move in and patterns, their foot's doing a little something, and you're sitting over there saying, I don't know how to do this, but it it looks kind of easy. However, if you were to get out of the car and go around there and sit down in the driver's seat and try to drive that thing without knowing how to drive it, would you be very successful, yes or no? Generally speaking, no. I mean, there'd be all all kinds of atrocious noises. You know, you're doing this number. It would be a bad experience. Here's why. Because familiarity with a stick shift does not mean that you know how to drive it effectively. Now, why do I say that? I say that because I feel like that was kind of the experience of the disciples when it came to prayer in Luke chapter 11. Now, remember, the disciples were ethnic Jews. They probably grew up at the synagogue, grew up knowing the scriptures, hearing the scriptures, seeing people pray, praying themselves, no doubt. And yet they get around Jesus and these people who probably were brought up around prayer, watch the way Jesus pray. And they ask this question in Luke chapter 11, Lord, teach us to pray. So these guys somehow observed the prayer life of Jesus and said, even though we kind of know how to pray or we're familiar with prayer, we don't know how to pray like that. And so Jesus responds to them generously and kindly and offers them what we now know as what? The Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11. So Jesus says this to them in verse number two. Whenever you pray, say. Okay, now just hang on to that for a minute. Because over in Matthew, the parallel passage, he says something even a little bit stronger. You should pray like this. Huh. Now, while I don't think Jesus is teaching this prayer, what we know as the Lord's Prayer, to give us some sort of like magic incantation, like abracadabra or open sesame, where if you say it with a British accent then stuff just automatically happens. I don't think that's what's going on here. But I do think sometimes we overlook that idea. Whenever you pray, pray like this. Jesus, in his mind, when he gives the Lord's Prayer, he is thinking this. It is both important that we pray and how we pray. Both that we pray and how we pray matters. Just like there's a proper way to drive a stick shift and an improper way to drive a stick shift, there is a proper way and an improper way to pray. And I think that's why Jesus is saying, let me show you how to pray. He's not offering like a suggestion, like maybe put this, consider this carefully, like think about it. No, he's saying, whenever you pray, pray like this. When you pray, pray like this. This is a command from the Lord Jesus Christ to pray according to the pattern lays out in the Lord's prayer, which drives me to my point this morning, simply this. We must pray as Jesus taught us to. 
We can't just kind of throw these words away. We need to pray as Jesus taught us to. So if we're not just to recite the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, every time we pray, if it's not magic, if it's not an incantation, what principles are we supposed to learn from this pattern of prayer that the Lord lays out? Well, I want to offer to you just two that I think, Lord willing, come from this text that we should all incorporate as we pray like Jesus. Okay, you ready? So I'm going to give you two prayer principles, and I'm going to ask you to pray a lot this morning, okay? So just be ready. I'm going to ask you to pray a lot. First prayer principle is this, the people of prayer. You say, Ryan, what do you mean by that? Well, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he recited the words that have become known as the Lord's Prayer. They're incredibly familiar to many of us. I'm going to put the most familiar um, version of that prayer from the King James Version. How many of you learned it in this? Our Father who art in heaven, the voice of the King, if you will, it's coming. Okay, let me try that joke again, because I feel like that's funny. Like, the voice of the king. Okay, thank you, thank you, yeah, okay. Wow, my dad's humor is not strong this morning. So, I'm gonna put this up on the screen in just a minute. But, but here's the thing, that at least for me, for like decades, even though I was familiar with this prayer, I missed an important principle that is right there on the surface. Something like right there in front of me. I want you to, as we look at the Lord's Prayer, to pay attention to the pronouns. Okay, you ready? Put this up on the screen. We're going to say it together. First word, our Father, which art in heaven. Everybody with me, okay? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Did you catch it? It doesn't say my father who is in heaven, give me this day my daily bread. What does it mean? It means that when the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, how do we pray? Jesus says, hey, let me give you a prayer that's corporate. Let me give you a prayer all with pronouns in it that are together. In other words, I think Jesus' point in offering the Lord's Prayer in this way is to remind his disciples that at least part of their praying should be together with God's people. Seems like this is something that they took to heart, actually. Because you get to the book of Acts, which follows the Gospels and kind of tells the birth of the church and the story of its old folding revelation. What you notice there is it seems like almost every time the church gets together, guess what they do? They pray. They pray more than they preach in the book of Acts. They're getting together, they're praying. Let me go through this passage rapid style, the whole book of Acts rapid style for you. And when I pause, you're gonna say the word pray or prayer, and it's gonna be on the screen. Ready? Ready? Okay, I told you this was like participatory and you guys are hurting my feelings this morning, all right? <laughs> Acts chapter one, verse number 14. They all were continually united in? Yes. When they had? 
the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Chapter six, they had them stand before the apostles who? And laid their hands on them. Acts chapter 12, many had assembled and were? 13, then after they had fasted and laid their hands on them, they sent them off. Uh, Chapter 20, after he said this, he knelt down and? Now pause, you're you're like, hey, Ryan, look, that's just Paul. But then look at the rest of the verse, with all of them, with all of them. Chapter number 21, all of them with their wives and children accompany us out of the city after kneeling down on the beach to? Do you get the point? When the people of God are getting together, one of the things that they are doing is they are praying. I don't know how we got this wrong at some point. We're like, we're going to come together and hear the word. And we should. We should. But you remember over in Acts chapter 6, where there's this like controversy. And the apostle says, man, we're going to give ourselves attention to the word and prayer. It's, it's kind of like, hey, which leg do you prefer? Your right one or your left one? It's like, well, I'll take them both. Thank you very much. Do you prefer inhaling or exhaling better? Uh, I need them both. And the same way, the life of the people of God, we certainly need the word of God. No question about it, but we need to pray. It is part of our life together where we are praying and seeking God's face. Listen to this statement very carefully. Prayer is not only a private practice, it is a public privilege. Unfortunately, we have relegated prayer to something that is done almost exclusively alone when it seems that God's intent is a significant portion of our prayer life is to be corporate. In fact, this principle is emphasized in one of the often used verses on prayer in the whole Bible, and we miss it because of translation. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 7 says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Wonderful passage on prayer, wonderful promise of God. But what we miss because Greek doesn't exactly translate to English is those yous are all plural. In other words, if I could translate it into the SSV, you know what that is? Southern Standard Version. You might read it like this. Ask and it will be given to y'all. Seek and y'all will find. Knock and the door will be open to y'all. It's a corporate passage again. The idea that God's people are to seek his face together is littered throughout the scripture. How many of you have been to a, an orchestra before? Ever seen an orchestra concert? There's like, like six of you. The rest of you are uncultured louts, you. How many of you know what an orchestra is? Okay, that's good. All right. Well, if you go to an orchestra, you know, there's all these people sitting up on the stage. And they're all skilled musicians in their own right, right? Like they've probably spent countless hours practicing to get to that moment where they're on stage. But you don't go to hear the piccolo solo. You just never go to hear the piccolo solo. (laughs) But that's not the purpose of going to the symphony. You go to hear everyone playing together because in one sense, everybody is enhanced when they play together, right? 
we should think of a prayer, not just like a solo, but as a symphony. Well, yes, we seek God, but we come together to seek him together. And our prayers in that way are enhanced. It's not just a solo. It is a symphony of praise and honor and seeking the face of God. Who are the people of prayer? Again, the Southern Standard Version cannot lead us wrong. It's y'all. Or if I could go a step further, it's all y'all. We are to pray together. Number two, the pattern of prayer. So the Lord's Prayer not only teaches us that we should pray together, but it also teaches us a particular pattern of prayer. Look again, Luke chapter 11, verse number two. Whenever you pray, say. So Jesus is not just offering his disciples a friendly suggestion. He's holding out to them a pattern of prayer that is intended by God himself to help his followers meaningfully engage with the Father. Listen, in this way, the Lord's Prayer is not just an invitation to prayer. It is instructions on how to pray. When you read the Lord's Prayer, you're not, you're not just supposed to read it and be like, oh, I should pray. It's like, I should pray like this is what it's saying. Not saying the words just like it says it, but learning from the pattern that is laid out by the Lord Jesus, the master teacher, to instruct us how to pray. So what is the pattern that we see in the Lord's Prayer? Well, at Gospel Hope, the way we talk about it is we use four R's. Okay, I'm going to put that up on the screen right now. And if you are a music person, which apparently like three of you are, <laughs> this is the old like 4-4 four, four timing. You know what I'm talking about here? Up, down, in, out. Up, down, in, out. The prayer begins with this upward impulse of reverence. Can you say that with me? Reverence. reverence. A little better, say reverence. Then we go up to down, which is response. Say response. 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 So upward reverence, downward response. Inward is request. Say request. 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 And outward is readiness. 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 Okay, let me point. Readiness. Okay, so one more time. We'll do them together. I'm going to do the 4-4 pattern. You're going to, when I pause, you're going to say them. So upward is reverence. Downward. Inward, request. outward. So we're going to walk through these in just a moment. And we're actually going to pray through these together. So the first one is this. It is reverence. The Lord's Prayer begins with the phrase, Father, your name be honored as holy. Jesus' desire is that the name or the reputation or the fame of God be exalted. Father, your name be honored as holy. Or if you did the old King James Version, hallowed. Hallowed be your name. High, lofty, exalted, separate, set apart, glorified. Or as the Psalm says it, magnify your name. You know, there's two ways to magnify something. You can magnify things with a microscope. What does a microscope do? Microscope takes something itty-bitty and makes it bigger so that you can see it. That's what a microscope does. That's not what we're talking about with the name of God. 
when we magnify the name of God, we are magnifying like a telescope. What's a telescope do? A telescope takes something that is huge and far away and makes it look more like what it is. And when we honor, when we exalt, when we hallow the name of God, we are taking something that is already huge and making it look more like what it is. When we reverence the Lord, we're essentially saying, God, you are great, we declare you great. God, you are strong, we declare you strong. We are just agreeing with reality. So when we honor, when we reverence the name of God, that is our task. And why begin our prayers with reverence for God? Because worship properly orients our heart. Band's gonna come right now, but I want you to think about this idea. Worship properly orients our heart. Oftentimes, when we go to prayer, what's the first thing we start doing? We start asking. And God does, he wants to hear our requests. We'll get to that in just a minute. But the problem is, is when we run straight to the asking, sometimes we forget the person we're talking to. That is, we've got all these big needs in our life. And we come to God with these gigantic needs. Oh God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm burdened. I, I don't know what to do. My problems are huge. And what God invites us to in worship is be like, wait, before you bring me those needs, look at me and remind yourself of the relative size of your needs to me. Sometimes we are focused on the size of our needs rather than the size of our God. And no need, no burden that you have, no problem in your life, no challenge, no obstacle is bigger than God. So we begin with, hallowed be your name, because we don't want to forget we're going to the audience of the king. The one who sits on the throne of heaven and rules and reign and is good and is kind and sent his son to die on behalf of weak and helpless sinners. That's who we're talking to. Hallowed be your name. So I want us right now to end song. We're going to worship the Lord, and then we're going to move into a time of prayer. So will you stand on your feet and just let this song be an expression of our heart. Hallowed be your name, Lord. Amen. Maybe seated. I want to continue in that spirit of worship as the band continues to play here. And just all over the room, one at a time, I'd like you to stand on your feet and say, Lord, I honor you, or Lord, I worship you because. Short little prayers, hallowing or honoring or reverencing the name of the Lord. I'll begin and then just all over the room, one right after another, stand on your feet, pray nice and loud so that others hear you. And if you hear something that encourages your heart, Christians sometimes say things like this, amen. Can you do it? Yeah. Weak. Try again. Yeah. Okay, all right. Father, we honor you. We reverence you. We worship you. Lord, because you are so gracious. You loved us when we didn't love you. We worship you, Father. Yes, he's strong. 
Amen. Yes, God, you are faithful. He's faithful. Honor you and I worship you because you give me new mercies every morning. Mm, amen. Mm. He is our king. Yes, he is. Yes. Yes, God. Yes, he did. Christ died for sinners. Amen. Worship him, church. Lean in. Yes. Yes, he's so kind. Yes. Lord, I worship you and praise you because you are patient. Mm. Lord, I honor you because you never change or falter even when we do. Mm. Yes, God. Go ahead, brother. Mm. Mm, he's so wise. He's so wise. Mm. Father, your people honor you this morning. You are worthy, God. You are holy, you are true, you are righteous, you are strong, you are mighty, you are good and kind. You are king, you are shepherd, you are savior, you are judge, you are creator, you are sustainer, and you will reign forever. <laughs> Father, we worship you receive our praise. We say nothing that is worthy of you, Lord. You are worthy of more. We exalt your great name. May you be famous on all the earth. Lord, exalt yourself. In the name of Jesus, God's people said, amen. amen. So the first movement is upward, which is what? reverence. Then from reverence, we move downward into response. Look again at Luke chapter 11, verse number two. Your kingdom come. In this part of the prayer, Jesus is inviting us to surrender our agenda to God's, our kingdom to his. This is a reminder that there are often things in our heart that are inconsistent with his kingdom and his agenda and his will for our life. So we confess our sin. Lord, your kingdom come, not mine. I confess my pride. Lord, your kingdom come, not mine. I confess my anger. We confess 
our brokenness. Lord, your kingdom come, not mine. I've messed up a thousand times. I don't even know if I'm useful in your kingdom. Your kingdom though, Lord, not my own. We confess our neediness. Oh God, I need you. Your kingdom come and I'm weak and powerless. Your kingdom come, not mine. Essentially, when we pray, your kingdom come, we are saying this. It is surrendering all that I am to all that he is. Lord, your kingdom come. All that I am submits to you, surrenders to you. You're the king. I am not. Your kingdom come. We're just putting ourselves in our place. I think when we pray this way intentionally, your kingdom come, not my kingdom, we are really walking in the footsteps of Jesus. Remember in the garden of Gethsemane, as he's about to go to the cross, remember Jesus's prayer? Not my will, but yours be done. I think that's just another way to say this. Your kingdom come, not mine. So here's what I wanna invite us to do right now, is really begin a time of surrender to the Lord. Can you really honestly pray that prayer in your heart? Lord, your kingdom come in my family. Lord, your kingdom come in my workplace. Your kingdom come in my neighborhood. Lord, I'm submitted to surrender to you. Lord, I surrender my pride to you. Lord, I surrender my fears to you. Lord, I surrender my time to you. I surrender my money to you. I surrender my talents to you. It's yours. Your kingdom come, not mine. Here's what I invite you to do. Just quietly at your seats there. Just take about a minute or so and begin to say that to the Lord. Lord, your kingdom come. I surrender. I surrender. And begin to really intentionally surrender some things in your life to God that maybe you've been hanging on to a little tightly. Lord, would you take it? Would you take it? Maybe you even want to have a posture as you pray of open hands before the Lord. Let your body match what your heart is crying out to God. Take a moment and quietly right there at your seat, begin to surrender to the Lord. Your kingdom come. And it is because your mercies we are not consumed. We don't have to be fake or pretend because the blood of Jesus covers us from all unrighteousness. Oh, embrace the gospel, embrace the good news, and that's what prayer invites us to do. Say, God, you are holy and we are not. You are worthy and we are not, and yet you hear us. Which brings us to the third R. So upward is reverence, downward is response, inward is request. And some of you are like, finally, now we can get to asking stuff. But I think there's a reason why God puts, kind of worship him, your kingdom come, your will be done before we begin to ask God for something. It's simply this, Daniel Henderson says it this way, we do not really know what to ask for until we have worshiped well and surrendered completely. I would venture to say if we just came in here and said, hey, give me some prayer requests at the beginning of the service, and then we ask for requests now, I bet they're different. Because we have actually begun to incline our hearts and minds to the heart and mind of God and let his agenda set the table for what we begin to ask. Your kingdom come, your will be done. 
So when we move into request, look again at the text. It says this, verse number, or I'm sorry. Man, I, I got a good one-liner right here, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to just skip it over. I did this in the 932. Terrible. I think we pray this way because of this. Before we seek God's hand, we should seek his face. This will properly incline our hearts and minds to receive what God really has for us. Before we say, God, gimme, 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 we should say, God, who are you? What are you willing to do in my life? What is your will? What is your agenda? What are you trying to accomplish? Versus, here's what I'm doing, now get on board. We're saying, God, what are you doing? How can I be part of that? We need to orient ourselves to seek the face of God before we seek the hand of God. But once we've done that, I think it is completely proper and good and right and a privilege to seek the hand of God. He delights to bless his people. Look at what it says in the prayer. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. Essentially, Jesus is asking God for two things. Resources, daily bread. God, give me what I need for today. Maybe it is bread in your life. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe your car is broken down. I don't know. It is good and right and appropriate to ask the Lord for those things. Maybe it's strength. Maybe it's endurance. Maybe it's peace. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe that's what you need from God today. Oh, God, I need your wisdom. I don't know how to navigate this situation. Oh, God, I need your strength. This season has been hard, and I need to stand up another day. We can seek God for our resources. Secondly, he asks for relationships. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin against us. Anybody got folks or relationships in your life that need some prayer? I would venture to say we all have a laundry list of those person we want to come to know the Lord, a wayward family member or friend, a situation at work that's challenging, your marriage, your parenting, your siblings. I don't know what it is, but we all have relationships in our life. And I want to invite us to seek the Lord in those two areas right now, resources and relationships. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to gather with three, maybe four, four at the most people around you. And I want you to pray something like this. Well, you're just going to share first. You're going to say, I need God to provide for me in this situation. Or I need God's help with this relationship. That's all you're going to say. You're not going to tell your life story. You're not going to take forever. You're just going to say, I need help with a relationship. Or I need God's provision in my life in this area. And then somebody in that group is going to pray for you. Just briefly pray for one another. Here's the blessing of that. Remember, we talked about the people of prayer. We're supposed to pray together. And giving and receiving from one another is a way, it's a blessing of the body of Christ. So share a brief request and then have somebody in that group pray over you. Everybody got it? All right, on your marks, get set, pray. Go, go, go. Father, Father, we thank you that you hear us, you care about our needs. Lord, we praise you we magnify you, we honor you because you invite us to bring our need for your provision to us. 
We honor you because you invite us to ask you for help in our relationships, Lord. We honor you. Thank you. Thank you for being attentive to your people's prayers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to move in to the last R. So the first one is upward is reverence, downward, response, inward, request, and outward is readiness. That's the fourth one. Look again at the text, verse number three again. And do not bring us into temptation. The parallel passage over in Matthew expands a little bit. It says, and do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. When we pray these type of prayers, Lord, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one, we're essentially acknowledging that we're in a war. We're in a battle. And we need our commander and chief to help us as we engage the enemy. Prayer in this way then is not escape from the battle, it is equipping for the battle. We're not trying to get away from doing the work by praying. Praying is the work. This is the work that we must do to be ready and able to serve our king. When we are praying this way, we are essentially saying, Lord, we're ready to do your will, but please don't leave us by ourselves. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. We need your strength. We need your power. We need your enablement. Lord, our yes is on the table. You tell us where. You tell us when. You tell us what. We are ready to go. But don't, uh, don't send us without coming with us. We need you. We need your presence. We need your equipping. We need your power. And here's the good news. When we pray in this way, Lord, lead us. Lord, deliver us. God, again, gives us a sweet and precious promise that he's ready, willing, and able to come to our aid. Look again at Luke chapter 11. Skip down to verse number 9. Right on the heels of the Lord's prayer. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. He's not done yet. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, and will he give him a snake instead of the fish? The answer is none of them. Next one. Or if he asks an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No one would do that. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What is that a promise us? I will go with you. Lead us, Lord. I will go with you. Deliver us, Lord. I am with you. That's the prayer of readiness where we're saying, Lord, you lead, we'll follow, but you got to go with us. Lord, you protect us. Deliver us from the evil one. Look, Sometimes we think of God as leaning back with his arms folded, a bit skeptical towards us. Amen? You ever think of God that way? He's reluctant, maybe a little aloof, a little distant. 
stingy, maybe even. I mean, honestly, not, not what you read in your Bible, but your functional theology. That's how we think of God sometimes. But that's not the picture portrayed here. The picture of the Lord, I don't have the proper equipment right now. He's on the edge of his seat. Ask, seek, knock. I'm ready, I'm willing, I'm able. You come to me. Now here's the thing, I'm gonna make a statement right now. It says this, when we seek God in prayer, he moves in power. Now, some of you said amen, some of you didn't say amen because you don't believe it. That's not a judgment, that's just reality, right? Like maybe you've been disappointed before, maybe you've been hurt before, but I, I, I wanna say, I wanna encourage us to say amen to this because we want to want to believe it because it's biblical. Like sometimes we need to say amen because it's like, Lord, this is an aspiration of my heart. When God's people seek him in prayer, God moves in power. For your own benefit, I'm gonna say it one more time. When God's people seek him in prayer, God moves in power. Oh, don't you want to want that to be true? It is true. And yet so often we just forsake the absolute privilege of prayer because it's hard work. What's happening is Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray throughout the New Testament. They're falling asleep all the time. Why? Because it's hard. Can't you pray with me for an hour? And we're like, an hour? I don't know if I've ever prayed an hour. When God's people seek him in prayer, God moves in power. Listen. We need God. I mean, I desperately want to reach this community. I know a lot of you guys do too. It's way above my pay grade. I can barely keep myself together. My shoestring's broken. I mean, that is just way above anything I have the ability to do. We need the Lord. Wouldn't you love to see this place filled? Not with just other Christians, but people that just don't know the Lord at all. Wouldn't you love to see that? You don't have the ability to do that. I don't have the ability to do that, but he does. And perhaps we do not have because we do not ask. Because the Bible says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will knock and the door will be. So let's ask and seek and knock. We are ready to do your will, God. Lead us, deliver us. So I wanna just lead us in a time of prayer right now and just kind of symbolically. First prayer I'm gonna pray is, Lord, would you lead each of us individually? Would you just maybe hold your hands like this? I just wanna pray over you right now as an individual, lead us, God. And you, you just say that to lead me, Lord. Father, I pray for each and every person in this room. 
Lord, you know the needs of all of them, every single individual and how they need your leadership in their life. Maybe it's leadership in their home. Maybe it's leadership in their place of employment. Maybe it's leadership in their family. Lord, would you lead us not into temptation? Lord, we all need you right now. We just confess that. Lead each and every one of us right now, Lord, please. I want you to take your hands and kind of extend them like this. I want to pray for all of us right now. Lord, would you lead Gospel Hope Church? Would you lead us in the way that you want us to go? Lead us to be salt and light in our community. Lead us to steward the resources that you've entrusted to us well. Lead us to train leaders and send church planners and missionaries. Lord, lead us and deliver us from the evil one. There is an enemy, he is real and he hates your kingdom, but Lord, we are submitted to you. Would you, by your grace, lead your people? We need you, Father, and we're ready to do your will. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let's stand on our feet and worship the Lord once again. I'd be remiss if I didn't say the only reason why we can pray something like the Lord's Prayer, our Father, is because the one who taught us to pray came and lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died and rose victoriously on our behalf. And now, even now, right now, he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, where the Bible says he lives to make intercession for his people. We can call God Father because the Son came and purchased a people for his blood and made you broke down sinners like me children. We are fools if we do not take care of the blood or take advantage of the blood-bought gift of prayer. Jesus came and died in one part so that you would have access to God as your Father. So we could pray, our Father, not our judge, not our enemy, not our creator, but our Father. Let's run to the Father through the work of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you so much that you are good. And I pray that we would pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to give you three kind of points of application or ways you can work this out. First thing is this. Would you take those four R's and would you do it for the next two weeks? 14 days. 14 days and pray reverence, response, request, readiness, and just see what God does. Just work this into your life and every day. It can be five minutes if you want. I don't care how you do it, but would you begin to pray reverence, uh, response, request, readiness for 14 days. That's the first kind of gauntlet I'm throwing down. Second one is this. You say, man, I'm in. I want to learn how to pray more. We have a community group that's called the School of Prayer. 
If you would like to participate in that group, there's a QR code right up there on the screen. If you have questions about that, you can see Ben or you can see Robert Hall. I saw Robert just a few minutes ago. If you have questions about how you can get involved in that, that's a community group and their agenda is, guess what? Pray. So if you wanna be part of that. Third thing is simply this. At Gospel Hope, once a month, the next one is November 4th, we have prayer nights. Look, we did not schedule these because we don't have enough to do. We scheduled them because we need some unhurried time to pray. And so would you just make it a priority? Once a month, we're asking you for about 90 minutes to get together with God's people and pray. Would you, and, and you know what? It's hard. It's not always super entertaining. We're not like all polished in there. It's like we're just praying for an hour and a half. That's the agenda. So would you just mark that on your calendar? Do the best you can. I know it's not convenient. Prayer is not convenient. That's why the disciples fell asleep. Would you just make that a priority? And, and we would say, we would in good conscience say, at least once a month, our church gets together and we seek God's face. Would you make that a priority? Can you do that for me? Don't lie. But if you, if you want to say something like, yes, that's cool, but don't like sin right now, okay? So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Hey, uh, that's it. So let me close. We got several announcements going on in the life of our church.